I'm Erin Holt, and this is the Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we lean into intuitive functional medicine. We look at how diet, our environment, our emotions, and our beliefs all affect our physical health. This podcast is your full-bodied, well-rounded resource. I've got over a decade of clinical experience, and because of that, I've got a major bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model. They're both failing so many of us. But functional medicine isn't the panacea that it's made out to be either. We've got some work to do, and that's why creating a new model is my life's work. I believe in the ripple effect, so I founded the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in mentorship for practitioners who want to do the same. This show is for you if you're looking for new ways of thinking about your health and you're ready to be an active participant in your own healing. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. I would love for you to follow the show, rate, review, and share because you never know whose life you might change. And of course, keep coming back for more. Hello, my friends. We're back with another show. A few weeks ago, I taught a workshop to the Functional Nutrition Collective called Where the Science Meets the Sacred. And it was a class that I talked a lot about, and I got a lot of requests for people to join that class. Now, there are a lot of workshops and classes and things that are exclusive just to the people in the Functional Nutrition Collective. Because I feel that this conversation is so important, I've been talking to a lot of you on Instagram and beyond about this exact subject, because I think it's so important, I did want to release this or part of the workshop as a podcast episode. Um, This is not something that I will be doing. This is kind of a, a one and done scenario. Moving forward, all of my workshops will actually remain in the collective. And the reason that I'm bringing that up now is because we are closing enrollment to the Functional Nutrition Collective this Friday, February 9th. So as a way to moderate numbers and moderate the group, we will be closing enrollment. So I really wanted to make that announcement here, let you know that if this is something you've been thinking about doing, now is the time to do it. This is the place to be if you're really looking to do a deep dive on your health. Of course, we I teach you about food. I teach you about nutrition. We do a deep dive on blood sugar regulation and detoxification and gut health and hormones. You get access to your hormone revival. We also take things deeper, deeper than just nutrition, deeper than just the physical body. And today's show will talk a little bit more about that. So if you're into these type of types of conversations, we will be having more of them this year in the Functional Nutrition Collective. And I really, really hope that you join. We've got a phenomenal group and we are making some big changes in big waves together. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Again, it is part of a workshop that I taught for the collective. The workshop was more involved, included more experiential practices, uh, a guided energy journey, some writing prompts. And if you do join the collective, of course, you'll get access to all of that and a lot more. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, if you've ever thought, gosh, I just resonate with the way Erin teaches, and I would love for Erin to guide me through my health journey, through every step of my health journey, this is the program for you. That's literally why I created it. And so I would love to see some of your faces on the next live call. 
Today is where the science meets the sacred. And I practice what I have labeled as intuitive functional medicine. Um, and if you, we're not going to talk too, too much about that today, but I did an entire podcast on it. Episode 276, the what and the whys of intuitive functional medicine. If you're like, what are you talking about? But it is a trademarked model, um, because I see the way that I approach health, even functional medicine and functional nutrition is pretty different. I practice and I teach evidence-based practices. And also I believe that you get to be the evidence and this is sometimes where my philosophy diverges from others, but this is really based on what I've seen. This is based on what I've seen, not just in my own body and my own lived experience, but also in hundreds of other bodies too. I think, and I see that the real power comes when we can use evidence and research and science and external data points, like the things that we learn outside of ourselves and allow all of that to coalesce with the wisdom that we can derive from inside the sacred wisdom of our bodies. And so when I talk about taking outside information and running it through our own filters, this is what I'm referencing, but like, what does that actually look like? How do we actually get there? That's what today's class is going to be about. So I'm going to talk for a little while um, oh, thank you for sharing that, Angela. Uh, I'm going to talk for a little while and as I do, as I have a tendency to do. And when I'm talking, I'm kind of speaking to your conscious mind, right? We're all here. We're all aware that I'm talking and that you're listening, but there might be parts of this conversation that just kind of land a little bit deeper. Like they just hit different. And I really want you to watch for that. Um, sometimes things that I will say will almost feel like a remembering, like, oh yeah, like I had that information at one point. I just forgot. I just lost the way. I lost the plot a little bit. And just pay attention to those moments because there's something beyond the conscious mind that's receiving that. It might be the subconscious mind. It might be the body, but there's deeper aspects of you that are calling out to you to be like, remember this. This is the truth. Um, and if there's any moment in today's class where you feel that, just type something into the chat. You can just type an emoji or something, a word or a phrase, just to be like, I'm acknowledging this, like this feels right. This feels true. Even if I'm not living my life as a testament to that truth right now, somewhere in me, I know that this is real. Um, I'm going to give you some writing prompts also today. We might not get to all of the, you know, all the writing prompts today in class, but I want to give them to you um, so you can work on them for the next month or so. You have something to do until we meet again. Um, and then we will most definitely get into an experiential practice. I'm going to guide you through an energy journey. And um, this is so important. It's kind of like uh, learning how to ice skate. So we recently purchased a lake home and we there's a lake and it's frozen. And my husband and my daughter know how to ice skate. I haven't been on skates since I was like eight years old. And I'm like, you know what? I really want to learn how to ice skate so I can do this fun activity with my family. And I could read every single book there is to read about how to ice skate. I could watch YouTube videos on how to do it. But the reality is I'm never going to have the experience of knowing what it feels like to ice skate until I sit down, lace up my skates and go for it. 
give it a whirl. We have to actually practice what we're learning in order to truly embody it, to truly experience it. Um, we know that in the beginning, we're probably going to fail. So if we're expecting perfection right out of the gate, we're, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. And that is why I really, really, really encourage you to create a daily devotional practice. And you can use today's practice as exactly that. We need to practice this stuff. You know, one of the main questions that I get is how do I listen to my intuition? How do I trust myself? How do I come back to myself? It's practice. If you're expecting a one and done, you're going to disappoint yourself. People will be like, oh, I tried to meditate once and I can't do it. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, you got to keep returning back to yourself. And that's when I, the word devotion, because it can have some, you know, maybe some religious undertones and, and that might not feel appropriate for people, but devotion is really just a dedicated and a loyal practice. It, that's what I see a devotional practices. That's like the actual definition of the word. And oh, a devotional practice can be a way to show I am dedicated to this thing. I am loyal to this thing. And in this case, that thing is you. We want to show ourselves that we are devoted to ourselves. We're not ghosting ourselves. We're not abandoning ourselves. And in fact, just the opposite. We're showing up time and time and time again, right? So again, what, if the question is, how do I learn to trust my intuition? This is the answer. Show yourself you can trust yourself. Show yourself you have your own back. Show yourself you can be a pillar in your own life. This takes repetition. It takes returning to yourself time and time and time and time again. Uh, so I love a devotional practice for that. I also love a devotional practice because it can create an anchor point for you. It creates a home base. It creates a baseline, like a daily temperature check. How am I doing today? How am I feeling right now in this moment? How am I doing? So you can certainly do that with an HRV watch you know, or a little fancy gadget. You can do that with that, but you can also do this by sitting with yourself. That's kind of the name of the game of today's conversation. Uh, so when we have a home base, when we have a check-in point, we can be more attuned to the subtle shifts. As one of my mentors would say, we can be more tuned to the undercurrents of the body, like the whispers of the body, the gentle nudges of the body. We get more attuned to the clues that the body is giving us. Uh, so those whispers don't eventually become screams, you know, and in this way, we learn to let the body lead. So when I'm talking about in this class where the science meets the sacred, let me be very clear. You are the sacred thing. It's you. <laughs> You're it. So we can look to the science to learn more. We're not waiting, however, for science in white papers, in research, to catch up and acknowledge and validate our sacredness. That's not a gift that anybody can bestow upon us. That is something that we claim and we reclaim and we own for ourselves. So all of this starts by acknowledging that we all do in fact hold sacred wisdom in our bodies. That's the that's the presupposition for this whole thing. That's the buy-in. That's where I need to, to get you before the rest of the conversation can really drop in and land. But our bodies are ancient, right? This we can all acknowledge. Yes, totally. Our bodies are more ancient than modern science. Our understanding of health and healing has changed over the years. 
but the body hasn't. The body is the same. The body is ancient. The body is sacred. And the body holds within it ancient, sacred wisdom. Our bodies know the way and our bodies can leave us or lead, lead us is what I should say. Not leave us is what we're trying not to do. Um, and so when I think of intuitive medicine, that's where, that's what I think intuitive medicine really honors is intuition. It's an inner knowing. It's a deep and sacred connection with ourselves. And we respect that connection. We honor that connection. We're devoted to that. We're devoted to that connection and we prioritize it. But I also, I want, I don't want this conversation to go into the territory where we have to pick one over the other. Because I want to acknowledge and appreciate and validate and have so much gratitude for modern medicine. My family went through something really, really, really hard last month. And modern medicine um, like literally saved my cousin's life. It's I was, it's like, don't say it, Erin. You're not gonna be able to say it without crying. It it it's so new and it's so tender. Modern medicine saved my little cousin's life. So what we're not doing is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I'm just so sick and tired of of health being like, pick your lane, choose your path. It is one or the other. You're either in or you're out. You're for us or you're against us. What's it going to be? That just creates so much internal friction. Healing is to become whole. And how can we become whole if we're always fragmented and pulled apart and having to choose one over the other? It gets to be all of it. it, I, it I'm, I'm speaking from lived experience and also professional experience. It gets to be all of it. It doesn't have to be an either or situation. So that's why I'm calling this where the science meets the sacred, because I want to put them both on the same playing field, modern advancements and ancient knowing. I want there to be a place for our intuition and our inner experience to be acknowledged in healthcare. And right now there's really, really not. Years ago, I, this was on Instagram where all good things happen. Um, I had a med student say to me, I'm sorry, because I was talking about my, 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 you know, health history, my lived experience, you know, all that. And a med student said, I am so sorry that happened to you, but anecdotal evidence isn't evidence. And I just thought, geez, what a way to continue to rip women away from their power. What a way to teach people that our experience, it's not valid. It doesn't matter. It's not real. You know, it doesn't really count. That just happened to you, but it doesn't really count. What a way to show women that we shouldn't trust ourselves. We shouldn't trust our bodies. And our experience is actually not to be trusted because it's not real. What a way to erase the sacredness out of healing. And what a way to perpetuate the silencing of the sacred feminine. We have essentially our point of view, woman's point of view has essentially been written right out of history. You know, it's like literally his story, you know, um, we don't have to get into like a big history lesson, but I am more than welcome or more than happy to share books about this. If this is like something of interest to you, um, the silencing of the sacred feminine, I I'm happy to share books in the Facebook group with all of you, but 
the point is when your viewpoint is erased or invalidated, you learn to silence your own internal point of view. And when we do that, as many of us have, we lose trust with ourselves. And when we can't trust ourselves, we have no choice but to reach out to external authorities and external data points. We have no choice. Where else are we going to get that information? If we're being told the information can't possibly come inside from inside, we have to go outside. And I personally, I love a functional root cause approach. I love the fact that it's catching on. Seven years ago, nobody knew what a functional anything was. And now everybody's like a functional practitioner. It's great, right? What I don't love is how tethered people in this space can be to the science or the data or the evidence, you know? And that's why I say when we're talking about evidence-based stuff, you also get to be the evidence. Your experience gets to be evidence. That shouldn't be silence. That shouldn't be invalidated. But also you have to claim that for yourself too, because the questions that I'm getting more so than ever, it's like, how many exact grams of protein do I need? Should I intermittently fast or not? Can I eat beans? During which part of my cycle should I eat carbs? And if you've worked with me in any capacity or you've done any of my programs, you're currently doing my programs, you'll know that my advice is usually, well, try it and see how you do. <laughs> you know, try it, see how you feel. For those of you going through the Carb Compatibility Project right now, you'll notice that it is a clear four-week framework to follow, but I'm also leading you back to yourself. That is by design. That is by design. Because people, again, now more than ever, it's like, I've got my CGM, I've got my step tracker, I've got my HRV ring, I've got my ovulation tracker, I'm taking my temps, I've got my food sensitivity list, did my food sensitivity testing, and I still don't know what's right for me all this data and I still don't know what's right for me. This is a problem. And just continuing to collect more and more external data points, read more books, you know, follow more Instagram accounts, do more lab testing, buy more gadgets. That is not going to solve the problem. And I love, to be clear, I love all these gadgets and gizmos. I love them. I have a lot of them myself. So I'm not saying that they're wrong. But I am saying that if you do not also build the capacity to come home to yourself while you're using these gadgets and gizmos and collecting all of this data, if you don't build the capacity to run all of this information through yourself, you will most likely continue to flounder around lost in a sea of data points. That's where a lot of people are right now. The game changer for me in how I taught, how I practiced, how I built out programs, how I structured my services, how I interfaced with clients, how I mentored other practitioners. The game changer for me was years ago. I was in a Facebook group. Some of you might've heard this story already. And it was like a, some type of nutrition challenge. There was hundreds, if not thousands of people in the group, huge group. And there was a woman probably in her mid fifties and she typed into the group, am I allowed Am I allowed to put a teaspoon of cream in my coffee in the morning? And I thought to myself, my God, 
with all the information and education we have available to ourselves, we still have not taught women how to self-source their own answers, how to leverage their own inner authority, and how to permit themselves. We are collectively more comfortable with asking a group of strangers on the internet what to do with our bodies than we are with trusting ourselves to know what to do with our bodies. Where's the lie in that statement? From what I can see, from my POV, more information and collecting more external data points has not changed that fact. Unless, unless we have specifically and intentionally created an environment for us to learn how to do so. So in case you haven't done that, Welcome. You're in the right spot. This is the environment. This is the intentional container. It's why I built the collective <laughs> legitimately. So we can keep having these conversations over and over and over and over again until it clicks, until it clicks in, until it lands. You know, I didn't just put all of this together to be like a place to hold all of my courses. The courses are incredible. You know, they change bodies, they change lives. Many of you here are a testament of that fact, but I wanted to create a movement I wanted to be in community with people doing this together, a place where we can dialogue about this stuff and keep the conversation going in the chat. You guys, absolutely like connect with each other too. I'll go and read the comments. Um, but you know, this is a group, you know, your experience matters here. I'm not just saying that they're not just words. You know that I'm a huge fan of changing our thoughts, changing our mind, changing our brain in order to change our health and our life. But what if I told you that there was a way to help yourself in this department with the use of 28 of the most research-backed nootropic ingredients? That's what I've been doing for the past couple of months using Qualia Mind from Neurohacker. It's a combo of nootropics, neurovitamins, antioxidants, adaptogens, and amino acids that together support optimal brain function pathways. You can consider it like brain fuel. It supports brain mitochondrial function. It enhances BDNF. It supports neuron and synaptic function, supports neurotransmitter signaling, and it enhances stress resilience. All of this gives you more brain energy, mental clarity, attention, focus, motivation, and drive. See what it can do for your mindset by going to neurohacker.com forward slash funk. You can save a hundred dollars. And as a listener of the Functional Nutrition Podcast, if you use code FUNK, F-U-N-K at checkout, you'll get an extra 15% off of your purchase. You can try it for a hundred days. If you are not totally satisfied, you can get a hundred percent money back guarantee. So head to neurohacker.com forward slash funk to try Qualia Mind with the code F-U-N-K to experience life-changing mental performance. All right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack that's eight single serve packets for free with any element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash 
funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. So I would like just to take a brief moment, just like a little, a little check-in. I want you to think about a time in your life where you had a clear yes, like a super clear yes. And I want you to think about what that experience was like for you. So I'll give an example. I guess this is like a pretty big example. It doesn't have to be this major, but I remember when my husband asked me to marry him, we had only been together like nine months or less. So it was not, was not, I had no idea this was happening, was shocked. We hiked up to the uh, Mount Shakora, which is in New Hampshire, the state I live in. And um, he popped the question. I was floored again, not expecting it. Um, but it was so just like automatic, like no question. Yes. And I just felt like expanded, like filled out, like my energy filled out, like the entire field around me. Like I felt it here in every well. That's where like, that's where I, that was my yes. That's what my yes feels like. It feels big. It feels expansive. So you don't have to use like a huge life-changing event. It could be like, I knew last night I needed to eat a cheeseburger because this, you know, it could be something basic, but I want you to really think about a clear yes. What did it feel like? What was your experience? How did you know that that was a yes? And if you arrive at an answer, if you know, you can post, you can pop that into the chat and then same deal for was there a time where you're like, absolutely not. I just know this is a no. I just know this is a no for me. How did you know? Can you articulate that? Can you articulate the experience that you had that you knew it was a no? So again, po post in the chat. For some people, it feels like a tightening, like a constricting, like, ooh, I feel it in my belly. Ooh. Like some people have to like show me with their body what it feels like. Um, I was just, I hired a marketing team so instead of doing 76 jobs, I only have to do 75. So I hired a marketing team and they're amazing. I love them so much. Bradley is his name and I love him. I love him. He's so kind and gentle and just the best. And he pitched this idea to me on Friday. And it was a brilliant idea. And my mind was like, that's a great idea. But my body gave me the clear cut sign. And my sign is I feel like I'm being pulled back. I feel like there's a vacuum behind me sucking me back and I immediately feel tired. Like I want to take a nap. So I was like, Bradley, this is a great idea. I love it. My body doesn't love it though. So I have to say no, I have to decline. I feel tired and I feel like I'm moving backwards. That's my no. So the more we tune in, anybody with me, because I haven't seen anything in the chat. So is anybody with me in terms of like, ooh, my inner compass. Okay, okay, now I'm starting to see them. I think I was, they were just, they, they were hidden. Um, swelling in my heart for a yes, no tightening in my stomach. Okay, so like, a kind of a lot of like overlap in our, in our experiences, warm, tingly surge for yes, tightening of the heart space for no, uh, freeing and open expansive for yes, no feel in my gut feels tight. So like, kind of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of repetition here, a lot of overlap, a lot of themes, uh, could not breathe for a no. Yeah. It's like, oh. Everything feels tight. So the more we tune in, the whole purpose of the, whoops, sorry. The whole purpose of this is to say, the more we tune in, 
the more we start to discern the difference between our sacred yes and our sacred no. And that's why I say a devotional practice can give us a baseline because it's kind of hard to know when we're off of our baseline if we don't know what our baseline is. And this is how we start to use our body as a compass. The body is an entry point for so much. Part of the way back to the sacred is to reclaim our bodies, to be like, oh yeah, my body does actually know. It is sending messages. The issue with that, one of the chief issues with that is our modern world is anti-body. And I cannot credit myself with that statement. That was a statement. I heard it and it went directly into the notes app in my phone because I was like, that's a barn burner. That's, that is a big one. Um, that's one of my mentors, Violetta Plushakova said that. That was like a room spinner of a statement. Our modern world is anti-body. So we used to be fed and nourished and supported by our environment. Nature, circadian rhythms, cycles, soil, food. And now we are depleted by it. Environmental toxins, we have depleted soil. The overuse of herbicides and pesticides impact our gut. They impact our mitochondria. It impacts our immune system. We're inside way more than we're outside. We're getting exposed to artificial light way more than natural light. We're disconnected. We're out of sync. This is a quote from Gabor Mate, which um, I quote him all the time because he's brilliant. One of the most brilliant minds in our lifetime. He says, much of what passes for normal in our society is neither normal nor healthy. To meet modern society criteria for normality is in many ways to conform to requirements that are profoundly abnormal in regard to our nature-given needs, which is to say unhealthy and harmful on the physiological, mental, and even spiritual levels. If we could begin to see much of illness itself, not as a cruel twist of fate or some nefarious mystery, but rather as an expected and therefore normal consequence of abnormal, unnatural circumstances, it would have revolutionary implications for how we approach everything health related. In summary, he is saying we are living completely abnormally and therefore we're getting sick, which is a very normal response to living abnormally. We are nature and part of reclaiming our sacredness is to acknowledge that. Part of getting back in sync with that is through our bodies. This is why my work is predicated on talking about carbs and protein and fat. <laughs> Make your body feel good. Give your body the inputs that it needs to thrive. But we also have to feed ourselves on a deeper level, deeper level too. We have to like soil deep, you know, like fix fix the fix the soil, like mitochondria deep, you know, remove the toxins, but also soul deep, like that deep. It all has to come online together in for, for us to really like dig ourselves out of this hole that we've gotten ourselves into. But so all of this is true. And many of you know that, you know, many of you have already bought into that, you know, but when we attempt to rectify this, it can get thwarted. 
And there are four primary ways that I am seeing right now over and over again of ways that we attempt to heal the body. We attempt to reclaim that sacredness, but then it gets like kind of thwarted. We get thrown off our path. So I would love to hear from you as I pick our way through these four things, if any of them land with you, if you've experienced any of them, one, two, three, four, or all of the above. Because um, we can do all of the what's, but we also really have to understand the why's too. So some of this is the why. Why change is so hard. The first one is the whole not evidence-based thing. I'm just a little, I'm a little tired of hearing about it. As somebody who like built an entire career on like picking apart the science and explaining the science to people in a way that they could understand, I'm like, we have perhaps gone too far in too far in that direction. But we have what I refer to as the misinformation vigilantes. There's like people who've built their entire careers on trying to tear other people down by being like, they're not evidence-based. They're not evidence-based. I don't know if you guys have been privy to any of this on TikTok or Instagram. It's a whole thing. Um, there was a TikTok influencer. She's an RD and she was like tearing apart a medical doctor for not being evidence-based because she was talking about moon cycles. And I was like, is this the burning times? Like, what is happening? Like, we could talk about moon cycles. It's fine. It's it's okay. Um, and I shared on Instagram, there was an article that Nicole Jardim shared uh, just today. Uh, now we have a white paper to back up that our moon cycles influence our female cycles. Great. Now the science says it, so we can all accept it as truth. Um, but there is, there's like this science zeitgeist that kind of says, well, these ancient, sacred, oftentimes indigenous practices are not evidence-based, therefore they're incorrect, therefore they're wrong, therefore they're not to be trusted. This is like the dogma of science, and it's really why I think we have to bridge the gap. So have any of you like been like, oh, I'm interested in this thing, but then I saw somebody say, well, it's not evidence-based, so I shouldn't do it. There's like fear around it or judgment around it, and now I'm not totally, totally sure. That's one thing I'm seeing. I think that's like a like smaller, smaller uh, part, but I, I'm definitely seeing it and I want to speak into it. Number two, diet culture. And again, I kind of cut my teeth on being pretty anti-diet culture. As somebody who struggled with eating disorders for 13 years, I had a lot to say about diet culture, a lot. But what I am seeing now is that we are labeling every attempt to better our health as diet culture. So people are kind of trapped in this, well, gee, I thought I was doing something to support myself. And now I feel like what I was doing is wrong. But the, the body is actually how we access the divine feminine with, you know, the, the, the sacred feminine, our intuition. So I want to speak into this a little bit. Um, I've talked about divine feminine, divine masculine a lot. They're just essentially archetypes that we all have within us. Um, it really doesn't have to do with like sex or gender. It's They're just archetypes. And there are certain traits of the divine feminine, like intuition, nurturing, healing, expression, wisdom, patience, emotions. Um, there are traits of the divine masculine, logic, reason, action, firmness, survival, strength, rationality. 
uh, we tend to prioritize divine masculine traits in our society. We tend to put them on a pedestal and we tend to kind of look down on and not have much reverence for aspects of the divine feminine. That's kind of part of silencing and writing out the sacred feminine. Um, but what we have to understand, and, and I, there is a huge reclaiming and revival of the sacred feminine right now. Absolutely. But it's not uh, like which one is better, which one comes first, you know, which one's on top. It's not one or the other. It's another situation of, and both the way that I see it to really be in our feminine, allowing receptivity, magnetism, intuition, self-trust, even manifestation in order for us to be there, we require safety. We require structure. We need a container that can hold us and allow us to feel safe. And that is the divine masculine. Whenever I build out a nutrition framework, you can think about it like this, like the CCP for an example, easy example. So I always create a framework, a structure for you to follow, a container. Because if I was, was just like, try out a bunch of different carbs and some fat and just like do your best, you'd be like, help, right? There has to be a container to operate within. That's the divine masculine. But we have to have freedom and flexibility within the container to access our own inner knowing, our own intuition, to allow our own bodies to guide us. That's the divine feminine. Okay. So are you, is this like, are you picking up what I'm putting down? We need kind of like a mix of both. But I think historically, when it comes to nutrition and health, most of us are kind of used to that, the first part of that equation, following a set of rules. Like I think of the word discipline, right? Like, which means a prescribed conduct, a, a very specific pattern of behavior. We need to obey rules. And if we don't, there might be consequences to our disobedience, right? That really is diet culture. It's like all structure, all rules. There's no place for grace or intuition. But what I think we need is a bit of a reframe where we, we move from like a disciplined, hardcore approach to more of a devotional approach, but we still need to have an approach we don't want to just throw out the structure altogether. So I'm curious how that shift feels in your body. It feels good to me when I feel like the difference of discipline versus devotion. I'm like that I can get my energy behind. Um, and I recognize that some attempts to support our bodies can look really similar to dieting, right? From the outside looking in, it can appear similar, but I really think that the difference is the internal driver. If you have a discipline driver where we are eating a certain way because there's a set of rules that I have to follow, there's a right way to do things, there's a wrong way to do things, and I need to eat this way to look a certain way, to feel acceptable and to be loved, right? That is a disciplined dieting driver. A devotional driver might be different. It might say like, hey, my body's here to be the vessel for my soul. You know, my body's here to allow me to be the highest, fullest expression of who I came here to be. The optimal function of my body helps me amplify everything else I'm here to do. I can tell you, I, I, I felt really, really, really crappy for a really long time. It's better. Feeling good is better. Feeling good is better. I'm just going to say it. It is. I can just do more. I get more accomplished. I can be my fullest expression of myself. So therefore I'm devoted to my body. I'm devoted to my health. 
And I don't think that there's anything wrong or messed up about having a devotional practice to our bodies. Because like I said earlier, the, the, the body is the entry point for so much, so much. So that's kind of where I'm coming from here in the collective. We have to meet ourselves at the level of the body. We do have to caretake our body. We can't bypass the body because the body is part of your life and it will be, you know, forever. Um, and I want you to think about, and I, I'm going to share journal prompts with you too. So like you, you, all of the things I'm like, Hey, think about this. They will be written down and you will get them for those of you who like to journal and write through things. If your body, if you viewed your body as sacred right now in this moment, pretend it was true, even if it doesn't feel true, how would you choose to feed yourself? If you closed your eyes and you're like, okay, my body is sacred. I'm going to tap into the energy of that statement. How would you choose to feed yourself? How would you choose to move your body? What time would you go to bed? What would you make time for that you're not currently doing? What would you choose to say yes to? What would you decide to say no to? What would your relationships be like? Would they be the same as they are right now? What would actually make you feel sacred? What would actually make you feel sacred? There's a lot of work that we do, a lot of attention on inner child healing. And I love that for us. I do. I love that for my inner child. So important. But I don't think there's enough emphasis on thinking about our future self and caretaking our future self. Sometimes that she gets lost in the shuffle. And sometimes what I do is I ask myself, am I making a decision in the present moment right now, right now? Am I making a decision right now that is going to support my future self or create a mess that my future self will have to clean up. Sometimes if I don't know what to do, I will ask myself that question. And then the, the answer becomes pretty clear. And you know, I also wanna speak into this, like sometimes the most compassionate thing we can do for ourselves, if we're in a moment of being very, very under-resourced, the most compassionate thing we can do for ourselves is say, I'm gonna make this decision because it's the path of least resistance right now. I realize I'm gonna create a, a shitstorm of a mess to deal with later on down the road, but the most compassionate thing I can do is make this decision right now, the short-term decision. I had to do that in December, you know, and I gave myself a lot of grace and I did in fact have to clean up the mess this month, but I was more resourced this month than I was last month. So it was okay, okay? So that's number two. Any attempt to reclaim your relationship with your body does not need to be labeled as disordered or like disciplined diet culture. It doesn't have to be. So I'm a big fan of rituals. I think they can help us feel connected, grounded, and anchored, which is so much of what we need right now. My current evening ritual is to make my mellow magnesium drink and listen to a manifest your health meditation. Ned's Mellow Magnesium is a powerful daily magnesium supplement. It's literally my favorite magnesium. It has amino acids, trace minerals that promote memory, mood, 
brain function, stress response, nerve and muscle health, and sleep. The majority of American adults are deficient in magnesium, which is a mineral that's essential to hundreds of functions in the body. This is one of those nutrients we absolutely burn through during periods of stress, and low magnesium can contribute to even more feelings of stress and anxiety. Mellow also contains GABA and L-theanine, which have anti-anxiety effects. Lavender berry is my favorite flavor, and it is very pretty. Become the best version of yourself and get 15% off Ned products with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code F-U-N-K at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. I've got a fun Organifi offer for you, so get ready because I know how much you love these. When you get the Sunrise to Sunset Kit, you can also enjoy a free 30-day sample of Pure for a limited time. The Sunrise to Sunset Kit helps transform your entire day in three easy steps. A detoxifying morning reset with the green juice, an afternoon energy boost, caffeine-free with the red juice, that's my fave, and a nighttime relaxation tea with the gold, which is like a yummy anti-inflammatory golden milk type situation all packed with superfoods that your body will love. You get an awesome bundle savings on this kit, and for a limited time, you get a 30-day supply of the Brain Boosting Blend Pure for free. Pure helps to repair, protect, and feed your brain cells. Keep that sweet, sweet brain of yours nice and healthy. If you want to save an additional 20% and get free shipping, head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash F-U-N-K. Uh, number three, the people in your life. I'm going to take a dramatic pause for that one. Cause this is something that is really challenging to admit or to even to talk about when you start to make positive changes in your life, it can be really disruptive for other people. And most of the time, it's not because other people in your life don't want what's good for you, but they do want you to stay safe. And usually safe, safe, safety, like is sameness, you know, like they want to keep you exactly where you are because that's feel, feel safe to them. Sometimes you feeling fully alive, radiating energy out, like life force unlocked all systems up and running, prioritizing yourself prioritizing taking care of yourself, prioritizing your relationship with yourself, having great boundaries, exuding happiness, maybe even feeling beautiful. Sometimes that can rub up against other people's perception of what a good woman should be. In so much of our internal subconscious, sometimes even conscious instinct, our drive is to just stay a part of the group at all costs. Because back in the olden days, being outcasted from the group meant death. So we have this baked into our DNA. It's real. It's real. If you feel like if I get ousted from the group, I'm going to die, that is a real feeling in your body. That is a strong driver, right? So we have to really acknowledge the whys and be compassionate with ourselves about that. If we have anybody in our life that is sending us messages that like us being like fully alive, lit up, taking care of ourselves, prioritizing ourselves is a problem for them. 
we will oftentimes kind of choose the path of least resistance and just kind of continue to co-dysregulate with that. Um, I was working with a client a couple of years ago and, you know, she's like doing the work. We were working together for a few months. She had the, all the lab testing. She was on the supplements. She was changing her diet. She was feeling good. And she was going on a vacation with her mom and her sister. And she's like, I'm really nervous because my sister makes comments to me. They make comments about the way I eat. They make com comments about my supplements. And I think it's just like easier to just like not. So I'm like, you're going to take the six months of hard work you just put in and completely discontinue it because your sister might make a bitchy comment about the fact that you're taking care of yourself. Right. But that's the internal instinct and drive. Well, I don't want to lose my sister's love. So I'm just going to bail on me. And I'm curious if anybody here has experienced that. I see a couple, couple comments in the chat here. Like, have you ever gone into healing your body, making an attempt to heal your body, whether that was changing your diet or something else? And people made comments, or maybe you felt like you were sticking out too much, or maybe you felt like you were rocking the boat too much, or maybe being too seen and you didn't really quite have the tools to navigate that. And so you got scared and you reverted back to your old habits. This is one of the primary reasons why people can lose a bunch of weight and then regain it right back. Sure. There's like a lot of biological things happening also, but this is a big one. It doesn't feel safe to be seen. It doesn't feel safe to be that witnessed. It doesn't feel safe. So we're going to revert back to safety. So I'm curious, you don't have to share like a full story, but just like, you know, been there, been there. We have this huge clash between two essential needs. Okay, so you guys are feeling this. Uh, attachment and authenticity. So attachment is a drive for closeness to others. It's belonging. It's being part of the group. Authenticity is being true to ourself. It is, I am the authority on me. I am the author of my own authority. It's inner authority, right? When these two needs are butted up against each other, most of us will choose attachment over authenticity. But it can be a really costly choice because when you cannot honor your sacred no, the body usually finds a way to do it for you right? And this is why I say the body's the entry point for so much. When we get sick or we have symptoms, we tend to view it as like punishment or even like a failure, you know, like my body's failing me or I'm failing. When in reality, it's usually just a request from the body, you know, hey, you didn't choose you, you bailed on yourself again. So I'm going to show up for you. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to get down. I know that part of the way that I got healthy is like, I just acknowledge I'm not here to live a half-baked life just to keep the peace and keep other people happy. I'm not, that's not why I came to the planet, not like a half-baked existence. I refuse that for myself. And so I had to look at relationships and really understand like, it, look, if my happiness and my success and my vibrancy is a trigger for you, then this is like no longer a safe relationship for me. Because I will always have to dull myself down, turn down the volume on my own life force, like hold back my exuberance in order to remain in relationship with you. Like, no, no, thank you. 
I can't do that. I can't continue to abandon myself to keep you happy. I can't do it. And I have this quote written down in some of my notes, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but I think it's Gabor Mate. A healthy sense of self does not preclude caring for others. So like, I feel like we like all need this tattooed on our forearm or something because you can still care for others while caring for yourself. That is on the table. That is, that's a real thing. We can take care of us and caretake other people. We don't have to abandon ourselves or excuse me, abandon others to caretake us. I have a motto that when I take care of me, everybody wins. When I take care of me, everybody wins. So I'm not trying to scare you guys off and say like, in order to get healthy, you're going to have to blow up your whole life crush all your relationships. Say goodbye to everybody. Life as you know it is over, right? But you might have to look at some of the relationships or programs or constructs that are in place that are telling you to say exactly as you are right now, because getting healthy does usually require you to change something, right? And when all else fails, this community is here for each other. You know, we're all doing this. We're all navigating this together. I like always say like as a joke, but not really like we're all baked into the same casserole. Much of our programming is really similar. So like, you're not alone in this, you navigating this is like, we're, we're all kind of doing the same thing. You know, I think of it as self-healing because we're never making other people responsible for our own healing. It's self-healing, but we do it within community. So that's number three is other people. Number four, this is a big one. So we're just going to kind of scratch the surface of it today. But number four is, uh, I, I, I talked about this in the beginning. We have to, in order to affect change, we have to like take in the information and actually bring it into our bodies. But that can be really hard if our bodies have in the past felt like a hard, scary, or unsafe place for us to inhabit our bodies hold a lot of pain. And so if you've never had permission or opportunity to meet that pain or the rage or the disappointment or the despair or the grief, then all of this might feel like really scary talk. Like be in my body, <laughs> like my body is sacred. It's a sacred vessel. What? No, I've been trying to like get out my whole life been trying to separate myself from my body my whole life. So sometimes this is part of the work. Oftentimes this is part of the work. You know, we have to reclaim our relationship to our bodies after being separate for a very, very long time. Sometimes this connection goes offline as early as like toddlerhood, you know, like young. And so we have to work our way back uh, and that can take, that can take time. Um, I want to take just a brief moment of reflection if you had to describe your body in one to two words, what would those words be? So let's post some in the chat. You had to describe your body in, or your relationship to your body. I don't know if I said that part. Your relationship to your body in one to two words. What would those be? I have to remind myself that me and my body are the same. Yeah, Hillary, you know, yeah, yep. That's a really healing, healing um, thought for me too. Okay, contentious, in progress, constant work in progress. Okay. Always want something else. Sigh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So another good question. 
is I don't trust my body. New best friend. Okay, Hillary, coming in with the positivity. I like it. What would you rather those words be? Like if in a year from now, if if all goes well, in a year from now, if I asked you that very same question to describe your relationship to your body in one to two words, what would those words be? My body is a great communicator with me. Sounds like somebody has been practicing doing some devotional practices to listen to the body. I love that. Sacred. Leslie says, love my body, grateful for it. The best container for the life I live. Connected. I love and appreciate it. I think we have to save this chat. Uh, there's a way to do that. We have to save this chat because <laughs> it's a good one. These are good mock-ups. Okay. So you guys, this is deep work, right? This is deep work. And in order for us to heal, sometimes we have to heal our resistance to being well. Like, and that's, that's a little bit jarring. That's a little confrontational, that statement, like resistance to being well, I just want to be well. I just want to heal. I want to feel good. Right. But there can be a lot of this stuff kind of going on behind the scenes that we're not even aware of And all of this stuff is also the process of healing understanding why parts of you or aspects of you don't feel safe getting well. We have to look at that too. You know, um, we need to look at the conditioning that tells us like, if I get well, something bad could potentially happen in body intentions breakthrough, which you all have access to. Um, there, we talk about this concept of secondary gain or secondary benefit. So this is a really good, that's a really good program to go into and start to unpack this, unpack this stuff. And I will tell you, it's not a set it and forget it. I am always going into secondary, secondary, uh, gains. Like if I really want something and I'm doing everything in my power to get that thing, I'm like actually putting in the work, the aligned action, if you will. And I'm still not receiving, there might be part of my subconscious that's telling me it's not actually safe to have that. So I might be receiving some benefit from not actually bringing that thing forth. So it's a huge concept. I could teach a whole class on it, but body intentions breakthrough, I actually do talk about that. So I would go into that, but we have to address any reasons that we're afraid of getting well. So this is a great, uh, this will go into your journal prompts, but what are you afraid might happen if you become the most healthy, vibrant, fully alive, fully well, fully expressed in your power version of yourself. Actually, we're going to do a little practice right now, just like a little mini practice. Um, we're going to move into an exercise that to look, to look at this, I'll give you some journal prompts, and then we're going to do like a full, full process, that daily devotional practice, like energy journey. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.